I mean, I was told by my film professor, there are films and there are movies. And sometimes you've got to know what you're walking into. Yeah. See, but I come from a time when movies were films. Good morning, movie friends, and welcome back to the Court Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Logan, and here we talk about everything film and TV. Before we start this episode, I do want to remind you we're underneath an actor's strike. None of this is possible without them. In the show notes are tools you can look at to educate yourself on the subject matter, as well as support the cause if you want to. And while you're at it, if you find yourself at any point entertained by this episode, share it, review it. It helps us out so much more than you actually believe. It keeps the lights on, it keeps the fridge full. None of this is possible without you guys, and I want to thank you for that. Well, without the way, I'll go ahead and stop my yapping and start a review for Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon is directed by Martin Scorsese, released in 2023, written by Scorsese, Eric Roth, and is an adaptation of a novel from David Grant under the same name. The cinematography is done by Rodrigo Prieto, who worked on The Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman with Scorsese, also worked on Barbie with Greta Gerwig this year. This film is shot with 35mm, it looks absolutely scrumptious in every single frame of the movie. I love just the grain that it brings. I think this film is definitely in the best cinematography conversation for the Oscars next year. The score is done by Robbie Robertson and was his last scored film after he died this past August. This crime drama story sets in 1920s Oklahoma, where members of the Osage tribe are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. I had a lot of excitement for this movie. This was actually my first Scorsese film seeing in theaters, as well as there being no Dune 2. I really needed a little bit of filler for this year, and also wanted to see if it could top Oppenheimer from earlier this year. I got a chance to see an early screening last week, and I can definitely say I'm very pleased with what Scorsese has given us. I think he's operating on just a different level than anyone else, which is so very, very cool. I think Scorsese really eats up every three hours and 26 minutes of this entire film, and there's no other really better place to start than the runtime itself, the real elephant in the room. The runtime seems to be getting a lot more traction and word of mouth than the actual film itself, which is really, really weird. You can definitely feel the runtime. It's definitely a longer movie, closing in at almost four hours long. You're definitely going to be able to feel that. And in the back of your head, that's definitely the thing I was telling myself and just kept reminding myself that this is almost three hours long. I couldn't stop thinking about that the entire movie. But I don't think that any bad movie is too short or too long. And in this movie, everything here feels absolutely necessary. I didn't check my phone once the entire movie, and it's also just very engaging. It has also solid, solid editing to make it just not really be unbearable as everyone's making it out to be. I'm also not sure in what world seeing Robert De Niro and Scorsese collaborate for the 10th time would be at any point unbearable. De Niro does an incredible job in this movie. I mean, he just can't seem to miss almost 50 years of acting, and he just has stayed consistent throughout all of them. Also, Leonardo DiCaprio turns in another great performance. Really no shocker there. I've seen a lot of people say it, and I have to side with them. It feels just very somewhat generic for DiCaprio's standards. Like, you know, we've seen it before in Django and, you know, any other really good Oscar-nominating-worthy movie. He does great. It's like, okay, you know, we get it now. Still does awesome, though. It kind of has just taken away from his performance being so good that his level of good has become almost average in a way for him. So that's, you know, something good and something bad about the movie. But the real best actor of this film was Lily Gladstone, who eats up every single scene here. She's coming for all of the Oscars this year. She just does so great, really just being an actor for who the most part is just very unknown compared to everyone else in this movie. She does an incredible job in every single scene. I can't wait to see what else she does. Her emotion displayed was just absolutely incredible and really just takes it to another level and brings these characters and this film to a different height. There's a lot of other very good actors in this movie. A couple more that I want to highlight. Jesse Plemons. He's not in this movie too long. I think only like maybe an hour of this three and a half hour runtime he's in. Maybe less than that. 
And he does a very good job. I'm a very big Breaking Bad fan, so I would rather see him in all three hours and 26 minutes of it. But still, for what he's given, he does a very good job. Also, seeing Brendan Fraser come into this as well off of the Oscar is very cool. I would have rather seen him in more of the movie. He's only in, I think, maybe 30 minutes, but he does a very good job from start to finish. Also, this movie finds its way to be surprisingly very, very funny with such a somber subject matter. I really did think it was weird having this level of comedy. It may not have even been intentional. My theater may just have been obnoxious, but I think it's one laugh track away and one jazzy beat away from being a Seinfeld episode, which is so much fun. There's a couple of scenes with specifically DiCaprio and De Niro that are just absolutely hilarious. Maybe it's just De Niro, DiCaprio, and Scorsese having that just unspoken bond with each other. They're able to just turn anything into lightning in a bottle. But, you know, I think that was a very nice touch of having that touch of comedy, whether it's intentional or not. As for the story and subject matter for this movie, it's a very important story shedding light on this very bleak moment in U.S. history. A story that's very visceral and vulnerable when compared to something like Goodfellas or The Wolf of Wall Street. At no point in this movie does Scorsese shy away from showing the violent crimes committed against the Osage. I think from the jump, you're shown what's happening and who's really doing it. There's no real secret going into this movie at all, and it makes it not for everyone. It's very violent and depressing for a good chunk of this film. On top of the violence and very melancholy story, we do have something that's very intimate and personal to Scorsese. The book for this movie more so follows the FBI's side of the story, and it's a very more cat and mouse kind of neo-noir mystery kind of movie, which sounds very entertaining, but that's not really where the heart of the story is. This movie more so follows the Osage perspective of the story, which is really where all of the heart and soul is. Specifically between Lily Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio's relationship of love and betrayal is done so well here. And that's what makes it so intriguing and so interesting, seeing just the buildup and the fall between these people. Scorsese really said it best when talking about it inside of an interview, how it wasn't just one very tragic event that happened, but something that happened very slowly over many, many years. This film follows, I think, just about like, maybe five or six years of just these genocidal acts happening and building up over and over and over again until it eventually comes crashing down. I mean, at one point, they were the richest people per capita in the entire world, and just because of that, they were murdered which is very, very tragic. And that's something that's really going to draw away a lot of people. But for some, it's really going to bring them into a, such a darker and different story, which I really enjoyed. I think that this is a very good film for him to pick. It's something that he's been trying to make for many, many years now. And as he's getting older, I really am starting to notice how as he's getting old, his films are really reflecting that. Not in a way that you think. I mean, all of his films are very mature, like The Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, The Departed. None of these are any by any means like childish in any way or any jokey kind of movies. But I think that as we look at his filmography and how it's really getting older, we're seeing that his last two films like The Irishman and Kills of the Flower Moon are very depressing, a lot more than something like The Wolf of Wall Street or Goodfellas. In The Irishman, it's a three-hour gangster epic about a gangster who's really out of his time and loses his purpose after the fall of his craft. It's a very sad movie for majority of that, and it doesn't really lavish in the blissfulness of the dirtiness like Goodfellas does, which is a very different film, both follow gangsters, but just in very different ways. And now we get to a movie like this, Flower Moon, where he knows the power and caliber that his name has, that is Scorsese, and almost the level of him being ashamed that it took him this long to make a movie highlighting the struggle of immigrants in America, seeing that his parents were immigrants who came from Sicily. 
and by no means is he Osage or may not even come from any kind of Indian descent, but it still feels very personal to him. It feels very important that he gets this movie right. And I think that he did that phenomenally, displaying the Osage community in such a very beautiful way, an authentic way, to which I think many immigrants will be happy with. Without diving into any major spoilers, I'll just talk about the ending for a second here. With all the endings to a Scorsese movie, I think that he has a final message to say to the audience. Whether it's like in Goodfellas, literally the main characters breaking the fourth wall to speak to the audience. Or in a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street, seeing how Jordan Belfort goes to that big conference. He has something of a message to send to the audience, telling us, here's what the movie is about, and here are the themes, and here's how you should really walk away from it. Here, I think that the ending of this movie will definitely split audiences from people saying that it's very stupid, or people like me who think it's very genius. I think that this ending is probably one of the best from his filmography, and definitely one of the best endings of the entire year. In this ending, you see him literally directly speaking to the audience on the genocidal acts of the Osage and shows, I think, how much he really cares about the story and how personal it is to him. I think him literally having the final say in this movie and of the story and reminding us that it's really a real story, not something to just be critiqued, almost like spreading awareness to this tragic event, is something that's so special. And we've seen it done in a lot of different movies, but I think here Scorsese does it in a very special way. You'll have to see it for yourself to see what I'm really talking about. I think some may think it's just a masterful ending, and others may think it's just a very mediocre way to end a movie. Scorsese thinking he's Scorsese to do whatever he wants. But me, I think it's very, very special. Tarantino says that directors get worse as they age, but I look at directors like Scorsese and Spielberg, who seem to be staying consistent even through their later years in life, and it seems to be proving him wrong. But I think their approach to filmmaking is something that's very, very different. We look at Spielberg, who recently released his movie The Fablemans, which is like a retelling of his life, very intimate, very personal story, and Scorsese is also staying consistent with not much time left on this earth, but every film is being looked at with a different level of compassion than his other films, which is very, very special. But now what the question becomes is... As he's getting older, he's still making good films, but will this affect the target audience for those movies? And the short answer is yes, it will be. His movies aren't being made to make $500 million at the box office. I think he knows that. And this movie being shipped to Apple is, I mean, a solid choice. I mean, he knows that even though people will sit on their phone for eight hours a day looking at TikTok, they don't want to go out to a movie to see a three and a half hour film. That really explains why he's just pushing his last two films being over three hours long straight to a streaming service to be watched in like a few different sittings. Even though that's not the way you should watch this movie, in my opinion, that's how they're going to reach a wider audience, which is really important to him at this stage. I think that every filmmaker's first goal is to tell a story before making money. But with this movie and The Irishman, it feels paramount to Scorsese. This movie is by no means for everyone. I think a lot of people will be split between thinking it's Scorsese being absolute genius, Scorsese putting out a movie that's not too good as his other movies, and others thinking that he's just a very bad director. He's an 80-year-old guy who doesn't know anything at all anymore. And during my showing, those people who were talking next to me, some women who are about 60 to 70 years old, and when I watch movies, I don't really want to listen to a podcast while I'm watching it. And, you know, they were talking about the film, but we're talking pretty consistently the entire time. I didn't lean over to say, hey, can you guys just quiet down for me? Didn't want to be that kind of guy, hate being that guy during a movie. Really, what they were saying was something that was very interesting to me. So I was like, hey, let me just let them keep talking. This is pretty good podcast content for me. During about like 30 minutes into the movie, there was some death going on, as there are consistently throughout this film. And one of them said, I'm not very fond of this at all. This isn't really what I was expecting at all. And it is definitely 
a movie that a lot of people will go into thinking that it's something like Goodfellas or something like Wolf of Wall Street. It's very darker than that. It's very more existential than that. And that's personally what I love about this movie. But I think a lot of people are going to be very disappointed and almost looking at this movie like a false marketing to what they wanted, which is not at all what this is. A little bit later on in the film, the same person who made the first comment said, this movie is very slow and very depressing. Critics are going to love a movie like this. That felt like a little bit of a personal jab towards me. I don't know if she knew that the host of the Court Cinema podcast was in the audience with her, but, you know, I was like, wow, that feels like a little bit of a dig towards what I do. I don't know. Now, I may not agree with what she says, but it also just pondered in my mind. Now, Scorsese is making comments about comic book films and these big Hollywood blockbuster movies ruining cinema. But the question is, if comic book films are ruining cinema, is Kills of the Flower Moon a movie that's going to be quote-unquote saving it? Let's just start off by saying, I mean, MCU and DC, Star Wars are somehow bigger than ever, yet somehow feel hollow, and they're consistently just missing the mark on what they should be. Now, is Kills of the Flower Moon our saving grace from all of this? For some of us, it can be just what we love, but for others and most of us, it's not at all what we really need. I mean, a film doesn't need to be three hours long to quote-unquote be cinema at its finest. That's not what really film is and the thing that the Pandora's box of film can show us that films can be under three hours and still be breathtaking. Even for how much I love this three hour period piece Red Dead Redemption-esque epic, it isn't perfect by any means. I think the runtime will be very intimidating for some people making them just kind of avoid it or wait till Apple TV where they're going to watch maybe like 30 minutes of this movie and turn it off. That three and a half hour runtime in my opinion should be experienced in a theater but even after you conquer your fears to sit through this entire movie, there is a lot of exposition being dumped on you throughout the entire runtime. And then they just assume you're going to remember every single name and every single character you met like two hours ago. There's a character, I mean, some characters that only have like maybe 10 minutes of screen time. They want you to be able to understand who they are, when they were in the story, what they did, and just immediately have it clicked in your brain. That's not reality. I mean, there were some moments I was like, wait, who? Wait, when? Wait, go back. I don't know who you're talking about here. Who was Billy Bob Joe with on December 12th? I have no idea. What are you talking about? Also in this movie, it has maybe like two or three time jumps that they just don't even tell you about. It just keeps going. You just have to kind of assume, oh, we just jumped to maybe five months later or two months later. Who knows? I'll never really know because it just doesn't tell you. It makes you either want to watch this movie at least two or three more times or just you're going to watch it once and just be very underwhelmed by not really knowing much and not really absorbing as much as you should have because it just kind of jumps through things a little bit too much. So what's my final sense on the film? Should you see it for yourself? I say go find out. I mean, form your own opinion. Go see it in theaters. Wait till it comes on streaming. Watch this movie. I think it's very important. He's operating at just a different level. Maybe not better in your opinion, but just something different because of his old age, which makes it very, very special. This film definitely won't be approachable for a lot of people. I think going in and just from the trailers, you're going to think it's going to be more entertaining, something like Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street, and it isn't that at all. And I think that if he wanted it to be entertaining, then he could have just adapted straight from the book. I mean, the book is more neo-noir, more like Chinatown, David Fincher's Seven level of mystery, rather than this, which is something more personal, more educative, an educative stance instead of entertaining. I think we should honor that and go see this movie the way it should be seen, not to be entertained, but to be informed on the subject matter, which a lot of people won't like, but it's something that we all should kind of just deal with sometimes. Another reason you should watch this movie, in my opinion, is just to get out of your freaking comfort zone. You're not going to love every movie ever. I mean, film is an art form and art is subjective, 
But still, film is a Pandora's box waiting to be opened. So get out of your comfort zone, watch something new, grow and experience more art to grow as enjoyers of this art form. It's very important. You're not going to love every single movie ever made, but just tap into something new once in a while. Cinema is definitely whatever you want it to be and whatever you make it. If cinema for you is Ted 2 on some nights, then that's exactly what it's going to be. But still, go out there, watch something new, and you may just find your next favorite movie of all time. You never know. My final ranking for this film is a 4.5 out of 5. It's not my favorite movie of the year that still belongs to Oppenheimer. It's right underneath Past Lives and right above Gardens of the Galaxy at the number 3 spot of my 2023 ranking. There's a lot more great cinema coming out for the rest of the year, like Napoleon, Priscilla, Five Nights at Freddy's coming out this week. I can't wait for that one. If you can't wait for me to review it, then please follow us on our socials link down below. Follow me on Letterboxd. And until next time, I'm your host, Logan. I'll see you in the movies.